This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden, and I'm joined today by Deborah Fitzgerald, editor of The Pulse. How's it going, Deb? It's going great, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. I realized that I, I I do the small talk portion of the podcast. Usually I asked about the weather because that's kind of what you small talk about. That and sports, and I don't know anything about sports, so I stay away from that. And it seems like every time that I've, I've hosted the podcast recently, I've been like, man, can't wait for it to stop snowing. <laughs> And it, it feels like we're there, right? We had we had a couple thunderstorms and rain, and that was good. And it's been like forty five degrees. Is it going to snow again, or can I finally like breathe a sigh of relief? I think you have to get through this weekend. Oh no, no, no! I more. think it's going to snow again it on like, Saturday. Okay, so full disclosure: I have seasonal affective disorder. I get kind of sad in the winter, oh. and uh, it feels like Groundhog's Day. <laughs> That every like every time it feels like okay here we go it's getting warmer getting better and then I wake up and my yard is covered in snow and it doesn't even last the whole day but it's just that feeling of waking up and seeing the snow again and being like when when can I stop this <laughs> do you use a light source I have dabbled in thinking about getting a light source Sam keeps one at her desk have you seen that I have and I should ask how it works for them because I it's something that my wife has always been like we need to get you one of those lights we need to do this because it, it I have all of the I'm not diagnosed, but I have all of the signs, right? I, I'm i really tired. I'm really prone to depression and stress in the winter. And then all that kind of like gets better once it's sunny. And yeah. I, I hate that my body is like a plant in that <laughs> it can be so easily swayed by nature mm-hmm. in that way. But I guess... I guess I just have to to resign myself to that. There are a lot of people like that, and I think a lot of people aren't even aware of it. Like, I tend to get, like, my sister will always remind me, you know, it's February, you know, I'll start complaining about things that I don't normally complain about. And she's like, it's February. I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? And, you know, then I get mad at her, and, you know, then <laughs> I remember, oh, right, it's February. Right. Now, March, because we have some days sprinkled in that are really beautiful, I get way more hopeful. But I think a lot of people don't know that they have seasonal affective disorder. And, you know, so they just kind of make big decisions that they shouldn't be making during the winter. Like my philosophy is never make a big, huge decision in the winter because it's likely just a solution for how you're feeling. Right. It's just a, it's a bandaid to a bigger problem that will mostly go away in a couple of months. <laughs> exactly. No, that, that's fair. I'm going to take that to heart okay. moving forward. Okay. Try not to make any big, especially financial decisions in the winter. There you go. Right. <laughs> So we have a couple of interesting things to talk about today. We have some updates to long-developing storylines throughout the the county. When you were briefing me on what we were going to talk about, I was like, this feels very nostalgic because (laughs) these are two of the things that we have talked about probably the most on the podcast. Definitely top five for sure. I know you and I have not talked about them, but they're issues that have had their own dedicated episodes multiple times in the past. Okay. Uh, So we'll talk about the Forestville Mill Pond and we'll talk about the Village of Egg Harbor's highway update. Okay. It feels like deja vu saying that we're going to do that, but we will do that after the break. Before we get into that though, we just had an election and uh, we're not going to go over the entirety of the election results because all of those are in this week's 
Pulse. They're also online at DoorCountyPulse.com. But there were some really interesting things that happened, including a couple of like historic firsts yes. that happened with the election. So uh, walk me through some of that election night coverage that you were taking part in. Okay, so the, the big jaw dropper on Tuesday evening once the results come in was the dead even tie for the Village of Sister Bay's board president seat. So each of the candidates, Nate Bell and Rob Zoschke, and Rob is the incumbent. Nate Bell was a trustee on the board whose term was up and and had decided to challenge Rob for the president seat. 256 votes for each of those men. I mean, dead even. So what happened there is the next morning, Heidi Tyke, who is the village clerk in Sister Bay, she recalled the board of canvassers back for Thursday morning. This morning, we're actually recording on Thursday, April 6th. And so Heidi had to give, you know, 24 hours notice in order to call this body back, this three-member board of canvassers, because they are the ones who actually needed to break the tie. And according to election laws, the way that you break a tie like this is a luck of the draw method. Which is is wild. And I I feel like everybody who heard that was like, huh, that doesn't seem very democratic. (laughs) That seems like a weird way to to do this. Um, You'd think it would go to a recount. And and that that is a possibility after there's been a winner announced, which is kind of the weird caveat there. Right. Um, But we we were all kind of speculating, okay, what does that mean? What does luck of the draw mean? Is this going to be eeny, meeny, miny, moe? Is it going to be... Rock, scissors, paper. Is it going to be a coin flip? What was your reaction to to hearing that it was it was going to be luck of the draw. I thought it seemed too simple for such a complicated process like an election. Right. I couldn't then, you know, my initial reaction was that and I felt like I should be I should be kind of objecting to this because of its simplicity. Right. But it seems like, you know, it's so it's so bad that it's not even wrong, which <laughs> I mean it's just a I don't know. It, it, it's just weird that that is the the method that we have laid out for us. And right. so when I walked into, so they had it this morning, and I walked into the administration administrative office, and there on the table were the available methods for them. So that's hilarious that I they know. had multiple yes. options picked out uh, and like trial by combat wasn't one of them which I, that made would make more sense to me like oh actually we haven't updated this law since the 1400s right. and it turns out you guys have to fight <laughs> a duel get your seconds we'll give you 48 right. hours to get your seconds right, right. <laughs> yeah considering other laws that are still on the books you're right about that so on the table is a bowl and the names of Nate Bell and Rob Zosky and so if they selected that one to pull it out, there are straws, uneven straws on the table. There is dice. There is uh, a quarter. So, you know, it, the three members stood over the table and deliberated as to which one they believed would be, you know, the easiest to execute. So they chose the dice. One of the board of canvassers selected a candidate. So one represented Rob, one represented Nate. And then they threw the dice, and Nate Bell won. So was it a odds and evens? Is that how they? It was they high roll. So it was six two. 
And so Nate took it with a six. Wow, a critical success, <laughs> yes. in the, as we would call it so in that, the Dungeons and Dragons community. Right. So that board of canvassers, I told her she needed to go out and play craps immediately right. or get herself, you know, to a casino. Right. I guess when I first heard about this, I thought like, okay, so in my in my brain, I feel like it would go to an immediate recount, and then if it still came up as a tie, you'd think, okay, well they have to hold the election again like that would be where my brain would go Mm -hmm. um but yeah game of chance i thought was was kind of hysterical (laughs) in a a scary way almost Uh, but then as we said once a winner was actually declared then the opportunity for a recount could happen yes what actually is the case now with with nate bell so after a winner exactly as you said after a winner is declared either one of the candidates could request a recount so i called rob to find out if he was going to be doing that because obviously Nate would probably not want to do that since he won. <laughs> I don't know, but I didn't even ask him yeah, that I mean, question. Maybe he's a betting man. Maybe he's like, how many times can I win this dice roll? <laughs> right. So Rob said, um, was very gracious when I spoke with him and he said, no, he would not be requesting a recount. He trusted the process and he had no bad feelings about how the entire thing unrolled. I don't know if that one works, but we'll, 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 we'll it, that's, that's like a roll of the dice, unroll, unfold. I guess it's like a slant rhyme, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. It's pretty good. Okay. So he had no bad feelings about that. And I did, like I said, I didn't ask Nate if he was going to ask for a recount, but Nate said he's looking forward to, you know, starting April 18 when they are sworn in. Great. Any other election stuff that people should know about? Like I said, you can find the full list of results on DoorCountyPulse.com or in this week's paper, which is coming out on Friday. Anything else people should know before we take a break? Just that all of the people who have been newly elected will be sworn in April 18, not just the village of Sister Bay. And just one more I wanted to give a shout out to was Janet Johnson in the town of Liberty Grove because she made history in being the first female that that town board has ever had as chair. Yeah, which is great. Her daughter, Grace Johnson, works in our office, and yes. she was very excited. Yes, she um, was. It was cool to kind of see the the play-by-play right. as she was checking in to see how the vote counts were going and just so excited for her mom. So right. yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because that's a really cool story too. And then the Gibraltar referendum, almost by a landslide, passed. So that $29.8 million project will be coming to Gibraltar schools. Great. More money for the schools. Yep. All right, let's take a break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about the Forestville Mill Pond drawdown, as well as the Village of Egg Harbor's highway construction project. Okay. This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job in Door County with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring... For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwani counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org careers. Okay, we are back. Flip a coin, heads or tails. Which one should we talk about first? <laughs> heads. All right, let's do the the mill pond. So the Forestville mill pond is something that we've talked about a lot on here. I guess the easiest way for me to kind of recap it just in my head is that there was a drawdown proposed for the Forestville mill pond. It was controversial because a lot of people were like, oh, we're not going to have our great, you know, 
scenery behind our house. Like our, our beautiful mill pond is going to be not looking great for a while. So there was back and forth about that for a long time. The drawdown happened and now they are looking to do an assessment to see how well it actually did. So this is kind of the bookend potentially on this story. Did I, did I get that recap right? You did. Okay. Yes. I've talked about it like 30 times, so I would hope that I know <laughs> what happened there. Well, yes, you got a good summary. And so that's the, that's the stage they're at. They're at the final stage. And that means checking all of the parameters that cause them to do the drawdown to begin with. So the water quality, the number of carp that were in the mill pond, the mucky bottom of the mill pond, which created a very shallow water body, like at its deepest, it was about six feet. So now with the drawdown, it was supposed to compact all of that soil so that it would create a deeper, you know, pond and healthier pond. So they're going to be checking all of the water parameters, the water quality parameters, and as well as the fish in, you know, the carp population and see if it worked. And if it worked, then they would actually be considering how often they would do something like that. And if it didn't work, then they would be letting everybody know that, that it was not the best way to go about it. Right. If it didn't work, then would they be investigating alternative measures to try to improve the water quality? Yes. And there were a bunch of options that were proposed before they selected this method. So there definitely are other, you know, management options that they could use. So for something as controversial as this was, the results of this assessment are, they're, they're going to be great for someone and, and awful for another person in terms of the finger pointing and the told you so's mm. that are coming out after this. Because if it, if it was the best scenario and it did improve the water quality, then they get to go like, all right, we're going to do this every four years. We'll have a, a, a celebration. Yeah. And that's just going to be, you know, it, it's going to be this thing over and over again. But then if it didn't work, then you've got the finger pointing on the other side being like, see, we didn't have to go through all of that anyway. Right. And now, so I, I feel like this is a very high stakes assessment in terms of just who's going to be happy and who's not. Yeah. And you kind of Put your finger on it because even now the way that the county is going about that is being criticized by by the group that is, you know, definitely not an advocate for, you know, this mill pond. So they think it's great that the county is assessing it. Let me say that. But they also believe that the county should be using an independent environmental assessor instead of going to the same place where they had all of the parameters done initially, which is the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. And uh, certain of those parameters are also going to be, you know, the county is going to be actively studying. So their thing is that, you know, you can't really do a fair self-assessment. And the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh is invested in, you know, this particular project because they've been working on it for years. So they just don't believe that those are, you know, that they're too biased, those two parties, in order to be able to give a fair assessment. So they have already indicated that they're, you know, if this comes out okay, then they're really not going to believe it. I mean, you can see that already happening. Interesting. Are there any legal means of recourse for them then? Is there any way to... I don't know, appeal the results of the assessment? Is it even know. up to them at all? Yeah, I, I don't know that they could appeal the results of the, the assessment. You know, they, they did file, they did try to sue the county while during the drawdown. 
And that case was dismissed, you know, after the mill pond was, you know, already filled back up, I guess, by the time it was decided. So, you know, I don't I don't know if there would be any recourse. I think that they would probably want to consider that more deeply if it turned out that the answer was it worked and we're going to be doing it on a regular basis. Right. All right. Well, we will, you know, this this could have been the end of the saga, but I guess <laughs> we'll, we'll find out what happens when we actually get the assessment back and, and we'll see if this, uh, this is a continuing saga right. on the podcast as it has been over the last, you know, couple of years. And that assessment won't come until next December. All right. So we're really going to stretch this out. (laughs) One day I'm going to go through and I'm going to like create a playlist on our website that's like, here's the major issues that we've covered multiple times on the podcast. And here's like the five episodes on the granary. And here's the five episodes on the mill pond and and that kind of thing. It would be interesting to be able to kind of go through these stories as we were experiencing them in real time to see where things are. Yeah. And to see how slowly some things move right Right. that's the other thing like i feel like we talk about this all the time but we've been doing the podcast now for four years so we've had a long time to actually talk about many of these things that we were talking about the first year that the podcast actually happened right one of those things that we've been talking about (laughs) for years uh, this is my segue is into what's going on with the highway in Mm -hmm. egg harbor we've talked about this all the way back from like you know, there's the parking concerns. There's what are they going to do on Church Street? Is there going to be some sort of connection between the the village and the beach? Walking paths, bike paths, all this kind of stuff. More recently, there was actually a like a proposal and renderings of what things could look like. And those were maybe semi-controversial in terms of parking, like how they're redoing parking and stuff like that. Walk me through basically from that last like initial rendering of everything to where we are now. Okay, so what happened is that the village has been working on developing a highway plan for a number of years. I mean, they first started in 2015, and it has been postponed once by the village, once by the state, you know, for a couple of different reasons. But the fact is, once they spend all of that time developing a plan with their engineers of what it should look like and what kinds of infrastructure they're going to have, it does have to go through a public process. So that's really what happened earlier this year in January, is we finally got to the stage where the village was ready to unveil what that highway corridor would look like. So that's what they did. And they did it to a very, very full house. There were definitely more than 100 people there and showed them what the highway was going to look like. Now, we're talking about the highway that goes through the downtown of the village. So that's all we're talking about, you know, how they're going, because the state is coming through to do a mill and overlay of the highway. And so the village wants to do its improvements in conjunction with that. So when they showed what that was going to look like, the most controversial part of it was that even though parking was going to be increased across the entire stretch of road, the parking had been taken out from the core section of the road, which is kind of like from shipwrecked up to what used to be Parador. So no more street parking along there. And that business owners really objected to that. And lots of people who sent letters to the village objected to that. And they objected to that the evening of the public meeting as well. So the village extended that public hearing basically 
so that people could write in as well for another week after that hearing even in in excess of 100 letters. And that was the single-handed, the part of the proposal that people didn't like the most. Right. As seems to be the constant through line through all of the Egg Harbor discussions is parking. Well, it was trees at one point. Really? And yes, and so they were able to satisfy that. That's really what kind of stopped it the first time is because they showed what they were going to do. And then people, property owners became, you know, upset by the number of trees. This is just, uh, I want to say in 2022, like early 2022. So, you know, they came up with a completely different plan for the trees and, you know, they're planting, they're spending a lot of money on soil for these trees. And I don't remember the total number of trees, but I do remember that there are 51 just in the core area, not even including the north and south parts of it. So that was controversial at one time. So they alleviated that. They talked to all the property owners. They figured out that part of the plan. So then they reintroduce it for the public you know, process, and it becomes a parking. So. Right. So where are we at now? I mean, there's more parking? Yes. Well, yeah. So what happened is the village did, long story short, many hours worth of meetings later, and the engineers were able to put some parking back into the core area. So once they showed those drawings, then it became a little bit, the board was divided in terms of where those parking spaces should be because there were two options presented. They were either on the west side or on the east side, and there was a lot of discussion about which side of the road those parking spaces should be on, and they inevitably decided upon an option and then approved that. And now we're at the stage where the village is tightening up all of the possible or probable costs for this project and getting ready to borrow $7.5 million. Now, it is more than $10 million, this project, but because they've received two major grants and and then a smaller one, it really has reduced that cost for taxpayers. Got it. So are we to the stage now where they're moving forward or does this have to come back to the public again? Nope. They're ready to go. They are ready. Once they finalize how much they're going to borrow, which they did approve the resolutions for that, but they can tweak it down. But by May 1st, they have to have a hard, solid number for how much they're going to borrow for this project. But in terms of the design, the design is done. All like right. this is this is what they're doing. Ready or so, not, Ed yes. Barber, you're going to look different. <laughs> That's right. In a little bit. When uh, this is going to, like you said, coincide with a state highway project. When is that? Not until next year. Okay. So the village will borrow the money and then they'll go out to bid sometime later, like early fall. And construction starts, you know, could be by the end of this year, but just doing some preliminary stuff. But the state doesn't actually do the big project and the bulk of the work is going to be done next year. Do we have updated renderings of of what this might look like? You know, what's been really interesting to me is that there's like there are parts of it that are available. Like for the story that's in today's paper, I do show the parking situation, like which which parking spaces they decided to go with in the core. And so there are bits and pieces of it, but not like one whole rendering. When you went into the public meeting that night, the rendering was probably 25 feet long. So it was spread. Like printed out? (laughs) Yes, printed out and spread across, 
you know, multiple tables that's right. spanning the Crest Pavilion. So you could never really get a whole look at it. You could only look. It, it was almost like you're walking along the yeah. sidewalk. This is our one to one scale printout <laughs> of what this is going to look like, and we're right. going to lay it out along the highway so people can see. Yes, but we didn't have enough paper, <laughs> so we just put it in the crest. I mean, okay. I know one of the meetings somebody had asked for, you know, a complete rendering of it, and I thought, oh, so they they've never had like a, you know, I mean, they have pieces of it which is kind of interesting you know but you would think for something like for a building i get just having an image but for something that's like sprawling you would imagine they'd have like a flyover right like some sort of video that people can see where it's like oh here's here's the entirety of the project from above sure and they do well interesting they do have that like so they do have like a you know so you can do a flyover of it so they had that video during the public participation, which was really well done. I mean, they, they had it very well coordinated, lots of visuals like that. It's just that, you know, if you want to look at it afterwards and, you know, like make decisions on where the parking spaces should go, then you either have to queue up the video to exactly where that spot is or, you know, be searching for one of these little pieces of paper right. that show that segment of it. So Got it. We should have a fully controllable Google Maps-esque there rendering that we can fly over on our own. There shouldn't, that shouldn't be difficult, right? I don't right? think so. I mean, I think technology is there. Yeah, I think, it just depends on what they're using to create the render. But I would imagine that a flyover right. would be easy enough thing to be able to produce. Yeah. I, I think you can even make custom Google Maps, like using their API. So you hmm. could probably just pop this render right into there mm-hmm. and then be able to fly around it like you do with Google Maps. I'm not 100% sure. I'm going to mm. ask Nate Bell. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, he might be busy now that he's, that's, you know, that's yeah, fair. village president. So so here's my here's my solution to parking moving forward because I always have something. Okay. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, they're removing parking from the street and then they're putting parking back on. How much parking is enough? How much is too little? Why not do like a, a two or three tiered pneumatic system? You dig a big hole in the ground and then you put like three parking spaces stacked on top of each other. Each one has like a parking meter kiosk next to it. So you just like boop, boop, boop. Here's my parking stall number six. And then it's just going to come right out from the ground and there's your car. And you hmm. get in and drive away and it goes back down. Oh. So now each individual parking space is three parking spaces. Interesting. But, right. you know, considering they say that it costs too much to just put a little fiber in the ground because of this karst geography, that would be interesting. Yeah. A pneumatic tube that goes down three stories. Okay, then... We don't go down in the ground. That's the clean solution, of course. We don't go down in the (laughs) ground. Instead, what we have is we have in place three-tiered parking, doesn't move. But then each one of those has a little elevator that you drive onto, and it goes up and kind of shuffles your your car in. Hmm, I bet that exists somewhere. I bet it does. I'm sure that there's some wild part, like mini parking garage that like does that for you. Right. Just like shuffles your car in on itself like that. And in cities, it has to be done you have to think of because there's really no more land in cities i was even reading something i can't remember where it was about the future is underground 
that we're going to be starting to build apartment buildings and everything underground because there's no place to go up. So right. you might be on the cutting edge. Andrew. You know, and if we don't go vertical, here's another idea, just a platform that you drive your car on and then it's going to tip you up at a 90 degree angle so that you're 100% <laughs> vertical. Sure. And then in the same footprint, you can fit three cars just tipped up. There you go. Yeah. And then <laughs> when you're ready to go, it just tips you back down. Into traffic or onto the sidewalk? It would have to, I would think onto the sidewalk would be. We'll need to <laughs> think of that. That's the only way that it can actually work. <laughs> right. But, you know. So hey, a couple you know, of pedestrians are like, you know, clobbered by one of these. Well, there will be a big, there will be a big loud noise. Yes. And a flashing light. Okay. At each one of these kiosks. That wouldn't be too distracting. And how lovely would that look? Right. As mm-hmm. you, well, just think about the, as you're coming down the street and you see all these cars just up like <laughs> vertical. I think that would be interesting. It'd well, be a we draw. need new ideas. Right. And and I'm just the idea guy. Like yeah, I'm not exactly. going to flush any of this out. But <laughs> all right. I think that that's going to do it for us this week, Deb. Thanks for, for coming on and updating us on everything and uh, look forward to chatting with you again soon. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast and we will see you next time.